We're going through a series called Future Church, uh, both here at St. Paul's and Village Church. I think uh, you guys have done community and transformation. We've done community here. Uh, this week it's all about outreach. Now I reckon uh, Christians and non-Christians uh, have something in uh, common. We're all uptight about outreach. Now I think it stems from three things. Uh, unpleasant images, painful experiences, and dare I say it, uh, an inadequate understanding of what outreach is actually all about. Uh, one of the most common uh, ones is uh, for of these images is the television evangelists, you know, who spend half the program telling you to give your life to Jesus, and the other half of the program telling you to give your credit card details to the operators on the end of the phone line. It's one of those images we won't, we don't want anything to do with. We don't want to be seen by our friends like that. For some people, because of these images or experiences that they've had evangelism or, or, or outreach, it's, it's become one of those things you wouldn't even do to your dog. Unfortunately, the church's approach to outreach has sometimes done more harm than good, driving people away instead of bringing them into the kingdom. Uh, it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, I like you Christ, but I don't like you Christians. Or more recently, San Francisco journalist Herb Cain said, the trouble with born-again Christians is that they are even in an even bigger pain the second time around. <laughs> now, the reason I reckon uh, Christians are uptight about outreach is because a lot of us have got a thoroughly uh, inadequate understanding of what outreach is about. It's a word that's been misused in the past and it still gets misused today. Uh, people think outreach is about getting people into church. It's not. People hear the word outreach or evangelism and they think it's something only the experts can do. It's not. Outreach is something that ought to be a part of our everyday life. Now, I want to suggest that outreach is simply ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Have you ever, ever wondered why the church, the early church, grew as fast as it did? Uh, as you read the book of Acts, have you picked up the fact that the church just kept growing? Uh, nine times in the book of Acts, we see the church multiplying. Uh, it's estimated the church grew from 1,000 Christians in 40 AD to 33 million Christians by 350 AD. You can't deny it that outreach was part of the DNA of the early church. And therefore, it's actually a part of the DNA of our church because it's a part of the DNA of God's people. God has given a DNA in our bodies. And what that DNA does is carry the genetic information that multiplies our distinctive physical characteristics passed down through the families. Well, when we're born again, when we become Christians, God puts a gospel DNA in us. We're born again with this DNA, and part of that DNA is a desire to outreach. Outreach, is, it's now part of our genetic makeup. When we understand how that DNA works its way in our lives, we'll be a lot more confident and relaxed about outreach. So much so that we become the kind of Christians the world can't resist. Now, there are three key impacts of this DNA in our lives as Christians. It makes us people with a purpose, okay? People with a new identity, and people with a new rhythm. You remember that? Purpose, identity, and rhythm. 
And you'll find in the back of your uh, handout this morning a very detailed outline of the sermon. So, first of all, gospel is a word we use all the time in church because in order to do outreach well, we need to be gospel fluent. So let's revisit the meaning of the gospel. Um, the gospel is the good news that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil through his own death and through his own death and resurrection and is making all things new, even us. Uh, it's the truth about who God is, what he's done, and our new identity in Christ. That now shapes and informs all of our life. It's that truth that changes our life. You know, I'm going to confess, uh, for a long time for me, the gospel was just all about getting out of hell and going to heaven. You know, a small set of doctrinal beliefs about the afterlife. That, that was it. And I thought really very little about how Jesus' death and resurrection actually enables me to say no to sin and how it gives me a new purpose in life. It's shaping really all the basic issues of my life, my priorities, my decision-making. I had this very one-dimensional view of the gospel and I failed to understand the personal and the missional aspect of it. Yeah, the gospel is multi-dimensional. It is past, present, and a future reality that, that changes and encompasses everything. It affects every fibre of our being. It's this message that shapes our church community. The church isn't a place as a people, but a community that is continually being informed and renewed by the transforming power of the gospel. And Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, he said, the gospel which has come to you is bearing fruit and increasing. The church is a community of people where the gospel is proclaimed clearly, consistently, compellingly and applied to every aspect of life. Paul says to the church in Corinth, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And it's this new community of people that becomes the conduit and the vehicle for God's message to the world. Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who are being saved. We are a people who radically reorient our lives together for the mission of making disciples. The gospel, it's a call to outreach. Just as Jesus became a missionary in his incarnation, he sends us into the world as missionaries. We are sent to proclaim and live the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. You know, someone once said, the gospel of Christ is inherently a missionary gospel. It is a message that changes a life, changes a course, affections, changes values, changes worldview, changes love, changes loyalty. But the gospel cannot leave you as you are, the way you are, or where you are, or it cannot possibly be the gospel that you have received. When Hudson Taylor went to China, one Chinese man asked him, why, why did you come sooner? I mean, the, the, man, the man's question really burned in Taylor's mind as he saw the millions of Chinese who had never heard of Jesus. This man was one of the leaders of a sect of Buddhism in China. And for a long time, he'd searched for the truth. He studied Confucianism, he studied Buddhism, he studied Taoism. But not until he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ did he find rest and peace for his soul. So excited, he went to preach the gospel to the Buddhists. And shortly after his conversion, this man actually asked Taylor how long the gospel had been known in England. When he was told it had been known for hundreds of years, 
the man was shocked. What? For hundreds of years you've had these glad tidings and only now you've come to preach it to us. My father sought after the truth for more than 20 years and he died without knowing it. Oh, why did you not come sooner? If we knew that tomorrow was the last day of our life on earth, how would the, the gospel change how we live today? We are people with a new purpose. And it's that purpose that, that shapes our identity. Uh, when the gospel takes hold of the person, it creates a fundamental change of identity. And it's this new identity that leads to a whole new way of living. We do what we do because of who we are. Paul said to the church in Corinth, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed and, and the new has come. That's why Jesus commands that we baptise disciples in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our baptism is, is a physical display of our old life of sin and death being buried with Jesus Christ in his death. Uh, it's also a, a shine of, of our new life of faith and hope and love as, we, as we've been raised to new life. We've got a new life, a new identity, a, a new name because of who God is and what he's done for us in the gospel. Our new identity is our family. We're, we're missionaries and we're servants. Uh, to become a Christian is to enter in a relationship with God the Father. Uh, you are a child of God. You're a part of his family. This is your, your new identity. You've been baptised in the name of the Father. As a result, you have a new name. A child of the Father. A son of God. A daughter of God. If you believe this is true, it changes how you live and how you, how you love. What God has done for you, he now wants to do through you. God so loved you so that through you he might love others. He pours his perfect love into your heart through his spirit in order that you might love others with the love he gives you. When you believe the gospel and God's love for you because he loved you first. We love like we are family. Following the example of Jesus too, we're, we're servants in the world. Jesus was the king, but he came as a servant. Matthew 20, 28. He did not come to be served. He needed nothing. He came to serve because we needed everything he had. And he provided with, with everything we need as a servant who's laid down his life so we could have life. We are servants of Jesus. Put in this world to serve others as he served us. God wants people to experience what life can be like in his kingdom through his body, the church. We, we give tangible expression to what Jesus is like. Jesus wants the people to see, to taste and see through the actions of our love that he is good. That his kingdom is amazing. And so that after experiencing it, they will want to be with him forever in his kingdom. The last part of our identity is missionary. God sent his son of the world on a mission to seek and to save the lost. And those who follow Jesus join his mission of making disciples. Just as the father sent Jesus, so the father now sends us. You know, the word missionary actually literally means sent one. If you're a Christian, you're sent on a mission. Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. 
Everywhere you go, whatever you do, you're on mission for Jesus, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, to proclaim the gospel like Jesus. You're always on mission. Every part of your life, every activity and event is part of Jesus' mission to make disciples. As mission Marys, we live a life on mission together. But we seek tangible ways to love and to serve others. We meet the needs of our community through acts of compassion, through mercy and justice. We listen to their questions, their objections, their concerns that people have about God. We share the gospel winsomely and commend the gospel by our words and actions. We seek to make God's invisible kingdom visible and tangible to the people around us. You know, together in our congregation, we do a heap of outreach ministry, barista training, community meals, craft groups, a focus, food box, friends of Kundu, village mosaic, playgroup, popping cafe, team talk, story, world of yum, exhausted yet. I don't want you to see them as a list of to-do lists, a to-do list for outreach. If, you, if that's all you see, I can tell you now, it'll destroy you. It'll destroy your love for Jesus and destroy the joy that's found in reaching out. We don't need another to-do list. We need to be reminded of our identity in Jesus. Those ministries are opportunities and spaces that have been carved out for us to live out our new identity in Christ. Whatever God has done for us, he now wants to do through us for others. Uh, now, identity shapes behaviour. So, how do we live out our new identity there as family, as servants, as missionaries? If we're learning to see life through the lens of the gospel, living as people with a new purpose, how do you, I mean, how do you wrap your lives around the gospel and our identities? How do we infuse the gospel into the everyday stuff of life? Seeing outreach as just a series of events I reckon creates lots of problems. We're all busy. And the reality is we'll never really be able to live out our identities in just a couple of church events each week. What we need to see that life, life is the program. Non-believers need to see what it means to follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. And it's when we engage the rhythms of our life with gospel intentionality that we soon realise that actually outreach happens <coughs> everywhere, every time, and everybody can be a part of it. Uh, first of all, our gospel-shaped living life plays out in two basic missional rhythms, which are called their living out and living in. By living out, we engage the culture around us, going where, where they are, this happens at work, in the community, place of education, out there in the public life. But we also invite in. And we invite others into our community, bringing them where we are. And most importantly, into our homes, and as time goes by, to, to other church events, community groups, church services. That's the space we want to provide for you with outreach ministries. We've got two basic rhythms there, missional rhythms, living out and inviting in. But then there are the everyday rhythms that we happen to engage in during these two missional rhythms. Here are six everyday rhythms that, that we all engage in. First rhythm, we eat. You probably already, you probably eat three times a day, I know I do. And don't do it alone. 
Do it with others at home, at a cafe. Come along on a Wednesday night to Kelvin Grove or on Tuesday morning or Thursday night to St. Paul's or the World of the Arm and enjoy a meal together. People wondered why so many church events happen around food. Meals create an experience of oneness, of unity. But when we interact over a meal, something, dare I say, spiritual is happening when we eat and experience God's care and compassion. Can you remember when Jesus was called a friend of sinners? He was eating a meal with Levi, the tax collector. But you know, outreach isn't only happening when we eat. It, it's happening in the kitchen over here when we make the meals, when they're being prepared and when they're being served. You know, every week we have non-believing volunteers who come and help us make meals and serve because they belong. They want to be a part of what we do. Our next week we celebrate. Everybody celebrates something. From birthday parties to, to national holidays to teams winning a sporting event. The Bible, it's full of celebrations, festivals, parties, whatever we're celebrating. Birthdays, seasons, joys, uh, any traditions, anything. God is ultimately our reason why we celebrate. Let's create time to celebrate. And let's be creative and think about how we can celebrate the goodness and blessings of God and how we can draw in and invite and love our neighbours friends and colleagues at these celebrations. You know, Jesus actually compares the kingdom to a great party. What are you waiting for? Uh, third rhythm there, listen. When you listen, it builds trust. You're, we're always listening. But who are we listening to? Are, are we paying attention to what we're listening and what we're hearing? People are interesting. Everyone's made uh, in the image of God, but we're all broken. It's amazing how much you learn when you take time to listen. You start to see how uniquely created everybody is. You know, one of the greatest gifts that we give to others is to open our ears and close our mouth. I've only been here five months, but you know, I've lost count of the number of times that I've just sat with people and just listened. People with addictions, wanting to end their lives, women who've had a miscarriage, People going through a broken relationship, people who are overworked and weary, the lonely, the depressed. Remember, we are the temple of God. If God dwells in us by His Spirit, so don't be surprised that when people sit with you, they might, they might find themselves meeting God when they're with you. Our fourth rhythm is story. Everyone's got a story. Stories shape our, our behaviours, our belief, our lifestyle. Make it a habit to get to know people's stories. They are normally dying to tell you. Sharing empathy and the joy of one another's story is what Jesus did. And when the time is right, we can share our story and show them how our story interacts with, intersects with God's salvation story as we see it in the Bible. And again, when the time is right, help them to understand how the story, their story, interacts, intersects with God's salvation story. Can I maybe encourage you to do some training with uh, the outreach tool that you guys have developed called The Story. It'll really help you to get familiar more with God's story and how you can intersect that with other people's stories. Uh, fifth rhythm is bless. 
To bless means we intentionally display God's grace through our words and through our actions and through our gifts. We know we've been blessed. And God intends for us to live in a, in a perpetual rhythm of blessing others. You know, it's one of the distinctive aspects of God's people throughout God's, God's story. We've been blessed by God's unmerited favour to be a blessing. And it's when we know someone else's story that we can bless them uh, even better. Can I encourage you to, to bless in such a way that it would demand a Jesus explanation? In other words, you, you wouldn't be able to explain what you do or why you do without that person needing to talk. You need to talk to that person about Jesus. A few weeks ago, we, we heard about this hostel in the city we, where there are lots of single parents, families um, with, with, with both parents, couples, singles are struggling, and how tough they were doing it. So decided to grab an extra food from the food bank and drop it in and bless them as I go through the city, as we go through the city. The response of those people has been extraordinary. Uh, laugh with them, recreate. This is our two words joined together here. It's a rest and create, recreate. Recreating means taking the time to rest, play, to create and restore beauty in ways that reflect God to ourselves and to others. After God powerfully and joyfully created the universe, he rested. We were creating the image and were made to joyfully create and rest as well. I mean, this is really what Friends of Hundu Park is about, isn't it? I mean, you're not down there just pulling out weeds and trimming trees. You're creating something beautiful for the whole community to enjoy. Creating something that will reflect God to ourselves and God to others. However you like to rest and create, whether it be craft or knitting or gardening or listening to music or going to concerts, can I encourage you to think how we can do these things with greater intentionality, gospel intentionality, to reflect the gospel and beauty of God to ourselves and to others. Outreach, uh, it's not an addition to our life. It is life. If we fill our lives with greater gospel intentionality and move from this additional mindset to an intentional mindset in the normal rhythms of life that God has given us, seeing all the normal stuff of life and rhythms are full of opportunity for the gospel. You know, I reckon that's not only liberating, but it authenticates the gospel to others in a very powerful and natural way. And as our non-believing friends are exposed to this dynamic, they begin to see that the gospel is more, it's more than just a set of truths to believe. They see it as the very power of God for healing, for wholeness, as the word that brings life and blessing. This morning, I, I, I didn't just want to tell you why we do outreach as part of our DNA as a church and how what we do flows out of that. We'll just tell you about all the great outreach ministries that we're doing, happening. I actually want to stir your hearts this morning to have a renewed vision, to have a, a new passion for outreach. It's part of our DNA as a church because it's part of our DNA as God's people. So what's outreach? Just ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. That's all God asks of us. Remember, we're people with a new purpose, new identity. Last time I'm going to do this. <laughs> new rhythm, okay? In Acts, we saw what God did with ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. 
you know what, there's no reason that can't happen today. Let's pray that it will. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to know your grace better. Father, to walk uh, better walk in community, to better participate in your mission of loving people, places, and the things of life. Father, we pray for a faith that will cause the world to find in you irresistible Lord and Saviour. Father, we ask that you would shape us, your people, into a family of missionary servants, united in Christ and his word. We ask that because you have called and gathered Christ's church to be a family, you would lead us to share life with one another and our community with gospel intentionality. Father, in our life together, help us to create belonging, to love and honour one another above ourselves as we implement your vision for community, for transformation and outreach. Father, we ask that you would help us to love and befriend those who do not believe. Show us what it means to welcome all people into our worship services, parties, conversations, homes and lives as we eat, celebrate, listen, story, bless and recreate together. All to your praise and glory. The Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.